You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Heather Willems. And Heather is a creative storyteller. We're going to find a little bit about the work that she's done as a visual strategist, as a graphic facilitator, uh, as an entrepreneur herself. And I'm excited about this. Being being someone who originally was out of the creative field, I always have a certain soft spot for people who understand creativity, understand design, design thinking. Mm-hmm. So with that, Heather, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. So why don't we start with background? Because I know that uh, you've had a, a lot of different kind of, um, you've worked with a lot of different companies. You've you know had a lot of experiences as uh, a designer, as a creator, as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. How did how did you get into this? What would, Well, so let's do the background of how you got into this, and then we can explain in a little more detail what what visual storytelling is and, and how, you, how you do it. What is the actual process? Sure. Uh, I have a background as a visual artist. Actually, went and got my master's degree in photography. From there, I ended up working as an educator and then eventually found my way into consulting. And the visual storytelling, I actually discovered while being a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> Where all good careers Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I, uh, let me ask this: Have you have you always been creative? I mean, were you the type of person who, you know, five years old was doing these amazing drawings and you know, vis- like at your core, visual yeah. and graphic in that sense, very early, or that was that something that developed over time? Well, rumor has it, apparently, I was drawing before. You know, t- when I was two years old, I was drawing. But, you know, every parent says that. Yeah. But both of my parents are very creative. And yeah. I believe that I come from a long line of artists in different forms. Uh-huh. But my mother was, before graphic design, she was an illustrator. So she Got would, it. like, draw the things. I'm bubbling over my words. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Both of my parents come from a creative field. My dad was an interior decorator. And then my mother did commercial art. Got it. She genetically, so, genetically predisposed to being being creative. <laughs> there, I preferred to draw pictures or write stories yeah. than play with toys. And I guess the story goes that I I packed up all of my toys when I was eight years old and proclaimed that I didn't need them anymore. <laughs> um, they should be given to a child who is in more I, need of these toys than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my mom was just like, "Oh, sure." So she stored them down in the basement, but. I never, I never yeah. played with them again. I was really interested in drawing and and writing stories. Yeah. Did you always know that you were going to have a, a very kind of creative, visual, graphic career, or was that a question at various points of upbringing and professional decision making? You know what? I made it a mission that I would make my career out of art. Yeah. And the reason I was really actually motivated by my father who found it to be so challenging to be a creative in business that he really wanted me to go into business school. And I refused like every 18 year old daughter does. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really, I really made it my mission. I was just, I was kind of at the beginning. I was like, I'll show you dad that I can make a living from art. (laughs) This was Um, a defiant, an act of defiance. (laughs) It was, it really was at the beginning. It was an act of defiance. But then as I started doing it, I found that it was everywhere, especially when I was teaching. I taught at the Ohio State University 
And my students would come in and say, you know, I, I have to quit your class because uh, my parents want me to take oh. some real classes. And and um, from that point, I really made it a mission not only to build my career around art, but then also be able to show other people that they could do the same thing. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. So how have you turned it into this profession? I mean, what was the what were the stages you kind of went through in terms of figuring out how to make this, you know, not only, uh, you know, a creative, you know, kind of creatively satisfying, but also professionally successful? Well, I think at first, I, as I mentioned, I started out as a photographer and I have a master's degree in photography. So at first, I started doing editorial work and then started working in the commercial, doing uh, working commercially, like working for Target and Anderson Windows and Wolf, which is a kitchen appliance. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, sure. So I worked. I worked for. I took the photography and was working in the corporate world, and that was not as not satisfying to me because I didn't feel like I had at that young age. I didn't feel like I had full creative control in that yeah. situation. But coming into, say, my 30s and then even now today, the work that I enjoy doing really is coming from, one, trusting my creative instincts, and then Mm -hmm. two, answering a question that I don't have an answer to. And in this case, it's really like, what is the greater purpose? Like, what is our greater purpose as individuals? What is our greater purpose as individuals within an organization? What is the organization's greater purpose and how do I align with that? So those are some of the questions that I started asking myself. And then from the business perspective, like how do you make a business out of that? What I found through my creative practice is if you can find the value in the process of answering that question, that's something that you can start to turn into a service business. Yeah, uh, I like it. I mean, let's talk a little bit just about sort of the nature of uh, this kind of visual thinking or, or u- using some of the techniques that, that I've seen you use at, you know, in some of the events that I've seen you at and stuff. I mean, I think that one of the kind of powerful things that I've seen in terms of people reacting to, you know, the work that you do, and I think there's just a different part of your brain or something that starts to get engaged when you start sort of thinking with images and illustrations, when you start getting, you know, out of the the words and the the language construct and just and seeing things in terms of visual and some relationships. But I guess what what has been your experience or how have you how have you kind of developed that as a, a skill and then use that as a facilitation tool? Talk to me a little bit about that. The first thing that comes to mind when talking about uh, visual note-taking and then bringing that practice into the business world as a visual strategist, Uh I can kind of speak to it in two different ways. One is the individual who is, as you said, thinking differently Uh in a, you know, while they're listening. And then as a facilitator, who's guiding a conversation. Yeah. When being when it's being used, when I take visual notes, and the visual note taking is I'm basically doing three things. I'm listening to the conversation. Yep. I'm picking up the key ideas, the main points that are being made, yep. and then drawing images to support that message. And I think the value of it as an individual to do this. So whether you're in your own business meeting or you're you're just taking notes at home and you know having it as a creative practice. Uh-huh. 
is that it in- increases your ability to absorb information and um, increases understanding. And I believe that the primary reason is because you are listening in a different way, as you mentioned. We just just listened to Eric Maddock speak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just the other night at the EO. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me when he was speaking is that he said, we listen five times faster. We listen five times faster than people speak. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. We are only hearing 20% of the information that's being given to us. We are filling in 80% of our capacity with distractions. And so what the the visual note-taking does Uh is it consumes some of that distraction area. So we're kinetically connecting to the content and listening for that next point that's going to be made. So while other people are looking at their phones or, um, you know, noticing... The, the food that's waiting for them after the speaker's done talking, um, <laughs> you're still connected to the content by taking the visual notes. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned something that I hadn't, hadn't quite thought of or appreciated that, uh, you know, you use it as a listening tool for yourself. How and can anyone do this? Or is there, uh, I mean, you, you know, you're highly talented. I've seen your work and it's, and it's uh, you know, visually stunning and, you know, it has a, has a very developed kind of graphical style or, or capability. You you know, for someone who is not trained in illustration and in graphical composition and these things, can they use this to listen better? Absolutely. Um, it doesn't have to do anything with how beautiful the images are. It's about communicating the ideas. Yeah. So it's so, all about the so content. Just, even whatever level of, of drawing skill you have, just, just using you using uh, non-word, non-kind of language-based capturing of the stuff that you're hearing will activate a different kind of part of your brain or, or allow you to listen in a different way. Absolutely. So it's, even if huh. you're just doodling while you're on a phone call or something yeah. with you know just nonsensical information, uh-huh. it helps to not only increase your listening skills, but it also increases the memory of the content that you are engaged with. Fascinating. That's a great takeaway for folks. So in terms of then, so that that was kind of using it as a listening tool. Talk to me about uh, as a facilitation tool. So listening tool is a little bit of a, that conversation is going on or that presentation is being made over here and I'm I'm kind of capturing it in this way. I'm listening to it. How, How do you use it? as a tool to help actually facilitate the process, direct direct the conversation or direct the energy of the group? And, and uh, how does that work? Um, there are a lot of different techniques that you can use. One way that I like to use the visual strategy uh, with teams is to create a template when people are coming into the space. Uh-huh. So it might be something as simple as a giant Venn diagram drawn up on a flip chart that indicates that something's going to happen in that in that space. Or it could be a visual, like a visual story that's telling the entire journey of a customer from, okay. you know, from discovery to the point of purchase. So drawing up the content that normally would be shown in a PowerPoint and having that up in the space when people walk into the room, that it's an indicator that this is going to be a different type of meeting. Another benefit to having um, the content captured in a visual way and having it up in the space throughout the entire meeting is that you can refer back to something that happened an hour prior and it's not mm-hmm. hidden in a flip chart. It's not, you know, crumbled up on the floor, has post-it notes falling off of it. Yeah. It's just a very clean 
visual template that's capturing the conversation that's happening in the space. And we were talking a little bit more about the act of listening and how that's improved through the visual note-taking. Yeah. It's, it's also increased increases the engagement of the participants in how they listen and participate in the meeting. Because remember, we were talking about how there's so many distractions that we're experiencing when we're actually listening to something. Yeah. One of them is that, one, people are worried about, is their idea being heard? Another fear or concern that people might have is, does their idea have the same weight as uh, their boss mm, that's in the room? Is yeah. there a hierarchy of information and idea that are happening? And then I think a third bonus of having, or and then another thing that might be concerning to them is like, what am I going to say next? Am I going, you know, how you're perceived in the space and in the room? Um, so one of the benefits of having a visual strategist or a facilitator in the room is that when I'm in the space, I'm listening with unbiased ears. What I'm interested in is capturing the information, creating a story that people can connect to and see the problem from a different perspective. And then once all of those ideas are up in an even playing field, seeing where two ideas might come together and merge to create something that's much more robust than the original problem was asking. Yeah, I, I like this idea that, um, I mean, you kind of create this map. It creates a map of the conversation. It allows you to quickly go back to other points in the conversation visually, you know, more quickly. And, and then, yeah, these kind of connections. I mean, because a conversation or, you know, I guess a, a verbal dialogue, you know, is a very linear ephemeral thing, you know, so, you know, the moment it passes, it passes, it's very difficult to kind of recapture. This kind of gives you a map and a tool set to, to be able to draw connections and, and, and see how these things, you know, fit together or potentially could be put together in a new way. So I, I like that idea. So that's good. So I think that gives people a sense of sort of the, the way in which you apply, you know, this approach in terms of helping, you know, either engage, you know, engage folks, capture deeper levels of meaning, and then, you know, using it as a map from a facilitation process. In terms of you know what you use it for, you know I know that you're you've been a uh, a big kind of proponent of culture and purpose and you know helping companies really uh, define their values and and what their mission is. How talk to us about how you can use this process to help help companies get to those questions because I think those are those are really hard questions. <laughs> you know, as as a coach and someone who works with companies to kind of try to get to this stuff a lot, you know, oftentimes you're just looking at kind of, you know, deer in the headlights when you start bringing this stuff up. How how does this create a, a new sort of different more effective angle to get to those questions? Mm, you're right. This stuff is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really diving into the core of who you are and then, you know, forming the organization. Yeah. Around that. When I think about this work of like identifying the the purpose and the vision, the mission and the values of the company, I call it the first work because it's really the foundation of what everything is built upon yeah. in your organization. And um, you're talking about cultures. I believe that the culture is strengthened by having a very clear, articulated vision and mission for where you're going and also getting the input from all of your team members into that process, I think is very important because one, they feel like their voices are heard. So that's 
as as a leader, you're going to be able to see their perspective, whether you agree with it or not. You're going to start to have some understanding of where they're coming from, which will create this empathy. Therefore, you're developing this trust. And then to have an image of it drawn up, it's something that everybody can start to align to. And I'm always fascinated how people really have deep ownership in these images that I help them create. And when I started out doing this process, they'd come up and be like, oh, there's my drawing. And I was like, hey, I just drew that. That's my (laughs) phone. And I'm like, last I checked, I made that. But people But good. Yeah, good. Good they feel ownership of it. Yeah. They have. And that's one of the things, like what I was talking about, when you find the value in the questions that you're asking and you start talking about that, that's when you start to be able to to build up a business in that way. But anyway, it creates this ownership that, that people really have around the mission, vision, and the values. So right now I'm focusing on seminars called Clarity Through Creativity. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, just coming up, I'm I'm about to do a workshop tomorrow, actually. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm leading a group of individuals within the organization to ultimately articulate and define their own purpose. So their their individual purpose, not the company's purpose, but not their their not the company's purpose, the individual purpose of like why huh. they get it's their you know Simon Sinek is you know yeah. why why they get up in the morning, why they come into work. And I was talking to the owner of this agency and he's like, what if everybody decides that they don't, that their purpose <laughs> is aligned. And, um, you know, one, that, that's really important information to know. Like sooner, the, sooner rather than later. Yeah. yeah. Your team isn't aligned with your, your purpose. Yeah. But ultimately what my goal is with the session is to help them to tap into their bigger why or their purpose, their yeah. motto, their personal mission, and then tie it to the organizations. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes uh, sense. I'm so excited because it's really great to see how people start to make decisions that are empowering themselves by doing it in a group setting. They're able to learn what their colleagues need to achieve their purpose yeah. and they're able to take actions to help them and support them. And then ultimately together, they can find ways to support the company's purpose. Yeah. I'm curious how so how are you setting up the the workshop are you you know giving giving everyone you know poster board and and colored sharpies and uh, you know having them draw like what's what's the what what's your what's the process that you use to help them use the technique to actually get to those uh, get to those underlying learnings? Yeah, well, I mentioned the templates earlier mm-hmm. about using those the the templates to guide and facilitate the conversation. I've developed a single page PDF that or it's, I guess it's, that's the digital file. <laughs> <laughs> I've created a single page template mm-hmm. that guides people through this process. And ultimately the idea is that people will be able to download the PDF and do it, do some of this really hard work at home. Yeah. But for myself personally, I love guiding people through it. So it takes them through a journey. It's really yeah. uh, identifying their strengths, uncovering their motivation, what drives them, articulating the beliefs that they have that, and then the, how those beliefs are tied to their values. And then ultimately, like, what is the commitment they want to make to change, you know, commitment to change that they want to make and who are they serving? Yeah. So it's an intense process. I can imagine. I can imagine there's there's probably a lot of uh, emotions that uh, bubble up to the surface on this process, you know, 
intentionally. I mean, I think that's, you know, we are, we are emotional creatures. And I think the more you can tap into that to figure out what your purpose is, you know, that's going to drive, you know, motivation, inspiration on a day-to-day basis. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about you and the work that you're doing, the clarity through creativity workshops, the seminars, the work that you're doing there, what's the best way to get a hold of you and find out more information? My website is heatherwillems.com. Awesome. Uh, I will make sure that's yeah. in the show notes. This has been great. Any, any other, I guess maybe one last uh, question or takeaway from the group. If, if someone is interested in kind of, you know, applying some of these techniques, what's the best way to kind of play around with it, in a, you know, to listen better, to use it in sort of their next meeting? Or what would you suggest people do to experiment with the kind of the visual side of this? Well, there are a lot, there's a lot of information out on the internet Mm -hmm. um, where you can, there's communities like the Sketchnote Army is an awesome community that everybody's doing Sketchnotes and sharing them. The Sketchnote Workbook is a really great book where people can start to practice those skills and it breaks it down into a very uh, simple step-by-step process. Uh And then also I co-wrote a book called Draw Your Big Idea. It gives an introduction to visual note-taking, but it really is chock full of, I think there's over a hundred different templates that you can use and apply to, it's targeted towards launching a new endeavor. So whether it's building or a new website or a building, uh, a new business store. (laughs) Yeah. You do a new building. Why not? (laughs) We've got architects on this program. (laughs) Yeah, why not? You want to build a building? Get draw your big idea. I like it. All right, so I'll put I'll put the uh, the link to the book in the show notes as well, so people can do all that. This has been great. I appreciate your time. Always a fun conversation with uh, kind of a, a fellow creative, and uh, I really had fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.